Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to um, Living Free. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, you're on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show, highlighting issues around homelessness. Uh, my name's Bill, and for the next hour, my guests will be sharing their journey of recovery from food addiction. I'd like to welcome Alan and Sarah to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Hi, Bill. They're, as members of Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, they're going to share their experience with food addiction and how FA has helped them. Uh, now, this is the first time we've had Food Addicts on the show, so... I'd like to especially welcome them and um, hope they feel comfortable. Um, so, Sarah, maybe you could explain briefly what Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous is, uh, just so the sort of people that would use Food Addicts in Anonymous. Sure, Bill. Um, Food Addicts is a program for a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, mutual support, are recovering from food addiction. Um, we've all had um, issues with our weight, whether that be under-eating, being overweight, underweight, bulimia. Some people have been a normal weight, but we've all had an obsession around food and dieting um, for a period of time, whether that be years or months or whatever. Most people who come in are at a place where they really need help with the addictive nature of food. Right, Okay. Um, so we might start with you, Alan. Usually we talk about, um, what it's like for growing up and, and when you become aware of, of a, a difference between you and other people in the way that you approach an addiction. So how did that work for you? How old were you when you started noticing things were different? I was probably seven or eight when I noticed that I was, um, overweight. A lot of kids used to tease me at school. I didn't have any friends in primary school. I was very isolated. A lot of kids teased me about the fact that I was overweight. Um, I would be going to the tuck shop every recess or lunch and my mum would have this uh, brown tuck shop bag and I'd rip that thing open and grab the money out and I'd order what I wanted to eat, which was usually some form of... uh, um, sweet product or something like that, and I wouldn't be sitting out in the open and eating it with other people. I'd be, you know, my school there was tennis courts behind the school, and I'd go and disappear behind the tennis courts and eat it on my own. So I was a very isolated eater, um, and I noticed that my weight was a, you know, I noticed that the fact that I was overweight from a very young age because of the fact that you know school kids were always teasing me about the fact that I was fat and. You know, you got boobs or something like that. You know, there was always there was always being te- I was always being teased about it. Right. So, what what was your? F- f- did you get support from your family at that point as a child? Um, look, I come from a divorced family. Dad was uh, um, Dad wasn't around. Sort of as that sort of close vicinity. He was you know every second weekend I was sort of at Dad's. But uh, um, from uh, from a primary school age, Mum. Mum sort of started up her business around from home uh, with my stepdad. And so they, they were very busy in the way they were working. So I'd come home from, you know, from school and, 
and I'd instantly go and hit the cupboards and, you know, ravage through the cupboards and, or I'd be, I'd have some money left over and I'd get something from the local milk bar and then bring that in home. And I had a little camper TV upstairs in my bedroom. So I'd disappear up to that and I'd close the door to my bedroom and I'd sit in my bedroom and, and I'd eat. And again, just a lot of isolated eating, um, or I'd disappear out into the sunroom out the back of our house and I'd eat on my own while work was going on in the different rooms around my house. Right. So I didn't, I look in the way of support, it didn't come till more my teen years where mum sort of said, oh, you know, your brother's doing a, you know, seeing this dietitian, how about you eat the same thing he's eating? And then, oh, you know, I've sort of, you know, a friend of mine seeing a naturopath, why don't you uh, go and see this naturopath and they can help you with your weight? Right. Okay. Um, okay. So Sarah, was yours different? Did you did you have the same issues or? Yeah. Look, I, I have some similar similar similarities there. Um, I started. I enjoyed food from a young age. I found comfort from a very young age. Um, my parents were very conscious of my weight. Um, I remember certainly by the age of 10, 11, I was at a commercial weight loss program um, where I, over the summer of that year, I went on a diet. My mum really wanted me to be thin and I subsequently wanted to always be thin, but I didn't know how. So I was then from about that age, from about 11, I was on, on and off commercial weight loss programs. Um, so I did have a lot of support. There was always someone around me on a diet. Um, we ate a lot of food in my family. A lot of festivals centred around food. Um, food was a very big part of our culture and um, and I found a lot of comfort in that food. Um, but I ate over my feelings and I don't didn't have any awareness of that until I came into the Food Addicts Program. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. So um, did you... You obviously were large, mm-hmm. large-ish. Large. Yeah. yeah. And so was body image a big issue for you? Yes, especially I think being a girl. Yeah. Um, I I had friends who were, some were chubby, some who were very skinny. Um, but being a girl and being overweight through my adolescent and teen years was very shameful for me. I felt a lot of discomfort in a body um being overweight and I was always looking for ways to lose weight um I didn't feel comfortable being in my bathers being in the swimming pool um there was a time when um my parents had a pool at home and I was outside in the pool with friends and we had and there were boys and girls there and I wouldn't get out of the pool because I was too scared for people to see me in my bathers and I was in there for hours until my mum came over with a towel and said it's time to get out now because she could see I wasn't going to get out yeah okay Right. Um, yeah, shame, shame and guilt are big motivators as children, you know, to avoid situations. Mm. And um, so, um, Alan, so how did, what sort of things were you doing and, and your friends doing that were the same or different? You know, what, could you, what could you do? And not do well. I think I think I, I remember doing a test once. I remember doing a, like this, uh, sitting myself. Okay, I was staying with my friend for two weeks, and he, um, I was gonna over the school holidays. I was gonna eat the exact same food as him. Yeah, and I did. I ate the exact same food as him, but I ended up putting weight on. Now um, I did the same exercise. I'd put weight on. He lost weight, or he was the same weight, uh, and I was always wondering what was going on. 
And I was never honest with myself. You know, I always used to think, oh, you know, I, I shouldn't have put weight on, I shouldn't have put weight on. But when I really go back to it and look mm. at it, like I, the fact was is that he was eating what that but then i was eating the exact same but eating much larger portions right i was yeah. eating a lot more than he yeah. was eating even though i said oh i was still eating the same thing but yeah. you know instead of having one slice of you know a, a piece of cake i'd have the entire cake yeah you know not the entire but i mean i'd yeah. have at that age i was having a large a large portion of it um so you know i was never honest with myself about how much i was actually eating and a lot of my friends like even through high school were 55 kilograms and i was you know, coming up to 100 kilograms. And I was very, you know, very conscious that they were getting girlfriends and I was on my own and I was single still and they were, you know, dating. And and I became very jealous a lot. And that, that drove... I, it's funny, I came into program thinking I wasn't an emotional eater, but then looking back, I, I ate when I was jealous. Okay, yeah. You know, I, 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 I ate because I was je- like I was, I was jealous. I sat on my own and I just ate a whole pile of food because I just wanted to push everything else out in a way right so did your mum continue to try and influence your eating um or your weight yeah well i'd say my weight in some ways like uh like i mean i did uh you know a lot of commercial you know a handful of commercial weight loss programs and you know there was a bunch of different things that uh that she sort of recommended over time i wouldn't say she she controlled tried to control my weight or anything like that but i definitely say that there was things like um you know if she had the offer to say, okay, I'm going to go on light and easy, um, I'd be like, okay. Give it a try. Yeah, yeah, why not? Let's give it yeah. a try. And, and, and she paid for it. Yeah. You know, and I never sort of, you know, I sort of went, oh, no, don't pay for it, mother. Don't pay for it. Yeah, it was like, yep, yeah. I'm living at home. Why yeah. not? She paid for it. Um, where I feel guilty about that is that I probably wasted her money on a lot of things over the years just by the fact that I never stuck to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so Sarah, um, dieting. So mm. what what was it like as mm. a teenager in that diet cycle? It's a really good question. Um, I hated being on diets because I hated having to restrict what I was eating. I just wanted to eat whatever I wanted and be in a right sized body and be in a really healthy body. I wanted to wear whatever I wanted. Uh, I. I felt very ashamed, again, the shame, I felt ashamed being on a diet. I didn't want my friends to know that I was on a diet, even though everyone was doing something. Um, so, you know, lots of people were on commercial weight loss programs. My my feeling is, or my, my knowledge is that some of them did go on programs and they'd lose weight and they kept it off in their teen years um, and stopped eating the way they'd been eating. But I... I um I felt a lot of shame being on a diet and I didn't think anyone should know that I was on a diet. Mm. I didn't want to talk about the diets that I was on. Um, if I had scales out on the bench, for example, at home and friends came over, one there was one girl in particular, I remember a story where she came over and she goes, oh, who's on? And she'd talk about this commercial yeah. program. And I was mortified. <laughs> I was mortified that they would know I'm on a diet. I um when I would go out for, with friends I didn't want people to know that I was trying to restrict what I was eating so I wanted to order like everybody else and I was very concerned about what they thought of me. Yeah. And so that was very something that very much came up for me. I was embarrassed, I was ashamed and I was scared of what people thought of me. And that really didn't leave me until I came into FA and or hasn't necessarily left me but I didn't learn to work through that until I started recovery. Right. Okay. Um so with people 
trying to help you, did mm. you feel like you had to agree with them or? Oh could, yes. Yeah. Um, I was scared not to. I, mm. I was. I wanted to be a good girl. I wanted to be obliging. I wanted to make my parents happy and um, not do the wrong thing that I thought would be the wrong thing. So I, I did want to be thin. However, it, the drive wasn't from me to go on these diets. No. The drive was um, very much from my family. And why don't you go here to this commercial program and why don't you try this dietitian or this naturopath? Or My friends would say to me, hey, I found this gym program. I think you'd really like it. Come along with me. And I just thought I had to. I didn't know how to make decisions for myself around regulating my food, um, around learning how to eat a healthy diet. Uh, I didn't know how to do those things, so I just chased this dream of being thin and being yep. and looking good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, Alan, uh, once you got to uni, things did things change at that point when you were sort of out of out of home? I guess. Well, well, well no, I wasn't still out of home. I was actually at home oh, okay. at uni at TAFE. At what? Yeah, you know, I did a couple of different things. Um, so I was still at home. Uh, I started working for my mum as well on the, in the side as well. So I was working. I was doing uh, part-time uni. Then I dropped out of uni, went to TAFE and doing part-time TAFE and then and working as well. And one of the things that changed was when I turned 18 was I finally had a vehicle where I didn't have to ride to a to a fast food place anymore. I could drive through <laughs> a window. So that, that actually escalated my addiction. And then, look, alcohol and drugs became a big issue for me at, you know, at, at pre-18 as well. Like, you know, I'm talking about 15, 16, like a, you know, heavy drinker. Um, and then they got worse and worse as I, as I got into my teens and early 20s. Um and I, I attributed food. I sort of contributed food with a lot of that. Like you know, mm. you know, I was high. Oh, I got the munchies. Now I could just and, and the amount that I would eat, it would just be like you know more than what I'd normally eat if I was. And it's like, but I just go, okay, I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to eat that much. And it just started getting more and more and more food. Like there was just it was a lot of consumption for me. It was a, I think a lot large amounts of food was just my biggest was my biggest thing. I just wanted a lot. So when I turned 18, started going to uni and TAFE, a lot of stress from studying and everything. I used to sit there and uh, I'd have, you know, I'd be studying, food in one hand, you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, food in one hand and pencil in the other and I'd be sort of all computer, you know, in front of me and I'd just be typing something out and I'd just be eating at the same time. You know, something that helped me sort of get through um, my uni and TAFE days was just mm. loads and loads of food. Right. Mm. So I think you also said you were out clubbing as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. until uh, there'd be a lot of times where I'd, I'd go out and I'd, I remember like I'd go out clubbing, finish up, uh, you know, being drunk at 5 a.m. in the morning. I would go down to, um, you, know, a, you know, a fast food place, go and buy myself something in the morning, like, you know, not, not a normal size meal, a large meal, and then sit in a taxi and, and eat it in a taxi on the way home. And that was nearly like five times a week sort of thing. I was doing that. Incredible. I was doing it all the time. Like I just, I just wanted to continually just drown out the noise. Right. Okay. Uh, but you identified that drugs and alcohol were a problem, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All the way up until I was sort of in my um, in sort of you know, closer to mid uh, mid twenties. Um, 
and I went overseas and I was away overseas for about five months but for four and a half months straight of those I drank and I ate and you know I smoked and I just you know just went through a lot of money and I remember coming back from that overseas trip having put on 25 kilograms and sort of thinking to myself okay I need to detox so I went on one of these holistic 12-week detoxes got off alcohol organic foods stopped taking drugs thought okay yep this is great this is this is the way I'm going to get off it and I remember finishing that up and thinking I don't need alcohol anymore I'm quite good I'm all right off alcohol but that night that I got off it it was like the the uh, night before my brother's wedding we went to a place called Lazy Mo's in uh, Oakley and uh and I had their massive meat platter and you, you get your photo up on the wall and the free dessert for the table and and I just I hankered through that meat platter but I didn't drink I didn't take any drugs but I just had so much food in one go and as soon as that as soon as I was given as soon as I felt like okay I'm no longer on a diet anymore food was a free for all and what I'd been missing for that 12 weeks was that's what I wanted right. and I spent the entire night night before my brother's wedding with my head in the toilet so it wasn't a great finish to the night, but I could say from then, food just became more and more from there as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Okay. So <laughs> sounds like a good time to take a break. Um, welcome back to the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Um, we now have 15 recent episodes of Living Free available on as podcasts on the Living Free webpage, which is 3cr.org.au forward slash Living Free. And they're also available on iTunes. I progressively include our earlier shows as time permits. Um, there's also plenty of great podcasts of other 3, 3CR shows, and they're available on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. Go and have a look. Uh, if you have any questions or comments about the show, you can send us an email on 3crlivingfree at gmail.com. I'll just play a fundraising announcement. Um, we have a fundraiser at present for Summer Wine. Excellent news, dear listener. It's that time of year. We once again are selling two delicious wines generously donated by local winemaking star and 3CR supporter Luke Lambert. At 17.50, these wines are a super bargain, labelled especially for us, and they're even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR at those summer festivities. Give us a call on 94198377 to order, or you can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Wines are available for collection from 3CR up until December 22. Ain't no mountain high enough to keep me from them. Welcome. Um, welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Living Free on 3CR. Um, I have two guests with me today, and we're talking about food addiction, and they're from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. Um, so Sarah and Alan, they're here with us. Um, so Sarah, 
when did you start uh, i guess realizing that your food your relationship with food was a problem a, a real problem to you that you needed to do something about it yeah great question uh I don't know that I um, understood that my relationship with food was my problem. I thought I just had a weight issue and that I had to find the right diet or the right gym program or find the time to do things. So for me, um, in t- about just over three years ago, I got to a point where I couldn't go on a diet anymore. I had, in the previous year to that, lost my third child she was born sick and I couldn't I couldn't handle the grief. I couldn't find a way to cope with life and the stress of everyday living, just unpacking the dishwasher, looking after children, that sort of thing, without eating. I couldn't pick up my kids from school without having food on me and then eating myself. And um, I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I had lost my child and spent a year grieving and eating. And I wanted to lose weight I wanted more children and I knew that getting pregnant at the weight that I was and I was well over 100 kilos I'm five foot six tall so that's a lot of weight on my frame um meant that I needed to lose weight and I was going to see a naturopath I was seeing a Chinese medicine healer practitioner I was seeing a spiritual healer who told me that I eat emotionally and I didn't know what she was talking about and uh somebody I knew was in food addicts in Recovery Anonymous and she told me a little bit about what she was doing and I came in and I went to some meetings to listen Um, and I heard that people had recovery from food addiction one day at a time by showing up and doing what they were doing which was attending meetings, following a really healthy meal plan, uh, mutual support and understanding And I still didn't understand the food addicts concept. I didn't understand I had a problem with food. But I knew that I just couldn't go on a diet anymore. I would have tried like those meal replacement shakes and going back to all the programs I knew. And when people got up and they looked really thin and really healthy, I thought that's what I want. So I thought what's the worst thing that can happen here? I lose some weight. I'll give it a go. I was very, very scared of giving it a go. I was scared of giving up my food. I was scared of not eating flour and sugar. I was scared of um, not being able to succeed in the program. We talk about progress and, and just learning how to do things one day at a time and getting better one day at a time. And I wanted to be perfect. I was really scared of not mm. being perfect. I was scared of failure. And that's a big part of me in my life. And um, so I thought, you know, they, they said to me, you can come to some more meetings, have a look around, see what goes on. And I went to another meeting and I was so scared not to start. I was so scared that I would just keep getting bigger that I thought I need to grab a sponsor and just get going on this. And uh, that's when I realised that well, as I started to work in my program, I realised that my food was merely a symptom of all these personality things that were going on for me. Yep. So that's when I realised. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? It's yeah. it's the same with with alcoholics. The the alcohol is a symptom of a of an underlying problem. That yeah. they're using alcohol to so they don't have to feel the feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, so what did you start losing weight? I did. Yeah. So for me, I said I was well over a hundred kilos when I came in, 
Um, in the first 90 days in program, I lost around 20 to 25 kilos. Within 10 months, I lost well over 50 kilos. Wow. Mm. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It is an incredible, incredible journey and yeah. one I'm very grateful for because for me, the concept of I knew I was very heavy. I didn't know how overweight I was. I was too scared to weigh myself. Uh, for me, the concept of losing 30, 40 kilos seemed so overwhelming and unachievable that I thought, why bother? It didn't occur to me to go, well, if I can lose 5, 10 kilos, I'm doing well. Yeah. Um, that wasn't a measure of success for me. A measure of success was to either be in a thin body or not, mm. which is very much my personality, all or nothing. Yep. Uh, so I needed support. I couldn't do it on my own. Um, and I did lose, yes, so the answer to your question is I, I used Using the tools of this program, um, I lost well over 50 kilos. It's about 58 kilos, I think. I was about half my body size that I lost. Yep. And I um, that came off in around 10 months. And I have stayed in a healthy body in that time for the last... I've gone up in my weight through pregnancy and breastfeeding. And then that's come off again th- through the help of the program. And I've maintained my weight f- probably for close to a year now at the same weight. Wow. That's yeah, great. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And the good thing about twelfth step recovery is that it doesn't cost you anything. That's right. There's no, you know, there's no extra fees. The, it's, it's just you and your commitment. I guess is yes. the is the big issue. Yeah. Um, so, Alan, what about you? What, um, how did you come into food addicts? What what sort of drove you? Well, I'd sort of I'd hit a point where I had, um, I sort of had a point where. Uh, I had two young kids at home and a wife. Like I had a, th- th- you know, a three-month-old child, a three-year-old child, and I was pretty much – I was hating everybody. I was hating myself. I was hating my job. I was hating my family. Like I was in such a loathing place before coming in and I was so uncomfortable in everything. You know, my, myself too, I was uh, well over 100 kilograms. And and so it, it came to a point where – um, I had uh, where sort of you know my back and my knees and my plantar fasciitis that was all acting up. I was in a lot of physical pain. Um, I had a point one night where I actually my back gave out on me while I was picking up my three month old child and I dropped it back into bed. I don't know, about a half a foot, but still she woke up screaming. It was kind of that mm. that pin scream, and then it sort of woke me up and I went, you know, what, I got to do something about it. And I'd been given a phone number for a guy that had done well with his weight. And I just thought he was some dietitian. Rang him up. He asked me what I ate. I kind of lied to him. I said I was eating healthy food. <laughs> I didn't actually tell him the truth. And then um, he said, oh, I think you should come to a meeting. And so I walked through the doors of, uh, of uh, FA um, you know, four and a half years ago thinking, you know, wondering what, what I'd just walked into. No idea about 12-step programming before that, except for what I'd seen in movies on AA. No idea about other types of 12-step programming. And I sat down and I related to the stories. I didn't start coming to... I didn't start the program for about another month afterwards. I, you know, full-time job, family. I didn't live close to meetings. I had to see whether or not I could actually do this. And so when I started, um, I was, you know, you know, you know, Closer to, uh, you know, over 150 kilograms. I was closer to, you know, 180. And my weight sort of, you know, you know same thing as Sarah. What Sarah said, uh, you know, after that first month, and I saw a 15-kilogram weight loss in that first month, so my head just 
exploded. Like, mm. wow, you know, I needed to lose weight. That was what it was for me. You know, we call this, a, you know, there's that gift of desperation, the GOD, the gift of mm. desperation. Mine was I was losing a ton of weight. And in 11 months, I lost 95 kilograms. And when I sort of, you know, um, in that sort of space of time, you know, that was where, you know, I thought, okay, you know, I'm losing weight. This is great. This is great. When I lost my weight and I've maintained that now for uh, over three, you know, three to three and a half years, um, everything that I've experienced since then has been much better in life. But that initial thing, yeah, it was for me, you know, somebody had done well with weight. I'd had to lose weight. I didn't really think that I had a problem with food. I thought, you know, all I could remember was being on diets and, oh, you know, can I have spelt or can I have kamut or can I have, you know, these type of grains? You know, these things are healthy for you. I'm supposed to, I'm, I should be allowed to have them. And being told, you know, or well, not told, being guided by a sponsor, you know, that, oh, we don't do that. To me, that was like, you know, what kind of diet is this? And realizing it's actually not a diet. It, and that's, you know, realizing I ate over my feelings after I came in. You know, we talk about uh, another thing, you know, if you want to find out why you drank, put the alcohol down. You want to find out why you ate, put the food down. Yep. Yeah. And that, that's exactly that's what it is. You want to find out why you ate, put the food down. And that was exactly what it was. I, re- I figured out why I was eating once the food was down. Okay. Uh, also, you, you were mentioning earlier when we were having a chat about um, planning your work around food. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? So uh, with my day, like I I'd, I'd drop my, I'll give you a sort of a broad spec quickly uh, on the thing of, I dropped my three-year-old child off at childcare. I'd go to a fast food place. I lived in Caram Downs. I worked in Caulfield. I'd do the drive-in. I'd go to a fast food place, get a massive amount of food for the drive-in. I'd just even stop off at a second place if I finished it. I'd sit in at work with a bowl of breakfast product until like 9.30 in the morning and eat that. Then I'd either be on the phone to a friend asking, hey, mate, do you want to catch up for lunch? Or I'd be, uh, um, I'd be sort of going, okay, I know I've got a job in Laverton and I know that there is two cafes in Laverton where I can get what I want. And I'd, and I'd go, okay, well, I'll go to the cafes first or I'll make sure I finish my client up at a certain time so I can go and get my food afterwards or beforehand, wherever I could. And I'd position and structure my day around either making sure I caught up with a friend for lunch or making sure that I could get to a cafe where I wanted my food. And then on the way home, same thing. I'd stop off at those fast food places. I'd get $30 worth of baked goods from uh, from a shopping centre. And then I'd get in, Then I'd actually get home. Like I had to constantly eat all through mm. the day. There was just that compulsion to always wanting to have something in my mouth. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, uh, mm. it's, hard to, it's hard for me to understand but I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that I can identify with it. Um, so, Sarah, you had you had the baby, old babies. Mm. I think our twins, weren't they? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, how did things go from there, mm. as far as your family life? Um, well, in term, do you mean in terms of recovery? Oh well, it re- well. Um, I guess it's it's really just how how were you feeling at that at that point? Like you've 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 had the had the children, and so you are in recovery. Yeah. How different is it to oh. the way it was before with having a child? Yeah, it's a great great question because I've been blessed with this um, opportunity in life to see what is active addiction and what is recovery. So I had two children um, in my active addiction. 
And I ate my way through those pregnancies and after the birth of the children. So every for every cry that would make me nervous, I would eat. When the children were up at night, I would eat. Um, for any reason, I would eat. And I'd put on a lot of weight in between each child. Um, once I had the twins, they were born exceptionally prematurely. They were born at 25 weeks and we were in hospital with them for five months. And if I was going to say... If I was not in recovery, I would absolutely have eaten my way through that. And I have been in hospital. So I had this situation, as I shared before, I lost my third child. We were in the ICU, in NICU with her for three weeks, and I ate my way through that. I can remember being in the lunchroom many times, just eating and leaving her bedside and going down to find food, coffee, drink, anything. With the boys, the twins being born and being in hospital for five months, I had this program around me I had mutual support and fellowship I would make calls I would go out and eat my lunch um, when I during lunchtime but I would be in the hospital and show up for them without standing there and eating all the time and there was plenty of food around me we know we kept chocolates at the hospital the nurses were eating all the time but for me to go back into food as a drug for me to go eating chocolates and cakes and and all the other stuff whilst I was trying to be a mum and show up for my family would have been absolutely detrimental. And I don't know that I'd ever have come back from that because the stress of being in hospital with them, they came home on breathing support, so they were on oxygen (laughs) when we came home. I'm not sure I would have ever found a time to go, oh, now things are better because now I am home and it's a very physical job looking after them, their toddlers and they eat all the time and I'm around food all the time. I have four children. So there would have never... I can't see a gap in my life where I would have gone, hmm, I need to go and do a diet now. I need to do something. So thank God um, Food Addicts is not a diet. It's a healthy food plan that I can follow and I've had a, have had a lot of help getting my food ready when my kids were in hospital. I had fellowship supporting me doing that for me so that... Um, where I couldn't do things for myself, someone else was helping me. And uh, I think it would have been a very, very different picture had I been eating my way through that. Yep, I'm sure it would. You're listening to Living Free on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. I'm talking to um, Alan and Sarah from Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, and they're talking about overcoming food addiction. Um, so I guess one of the things that um, I wanted to say earlier, Sarah, was um, do, do you find that the trying to avoid, given size was, you know, size is an issue, um, the negativity of people always looking or having always looked at you, mm. do you find that easier now when your size is reduced that you, you, you just feel... It, do you overcome that feeling that people are still, uh, what, judging you? Mm. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, I feel a lot more comfortable in the world. So I don't feel like when I walk in a room, I, I, I assumed people were judging me. So if I was going to pick up my kids at school or going to a swimming carnival or a sports day or a concert or something and I was the heaviest mum there I assumed people were making comments about that I assumed people were judging me and I felt very uncomfortable about that so today 
uh, I still might feel some level of social discomfort of walking into a, a scenario, it'll be, be a swimming gala or a school function or a, a friend's birthday party or whatever, but I don't feel like people are looking at me because I'm overweight and, oh, she must have put on a whole lot of weight since the kids were born and or anything like that. Like my size, people... People, I have the opposite scenario where I can walk around my neighbourhood and people don't know who I am because they don't recognise me in a wow. thin body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thank, that's a really big gift of food addicts. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely feel some freedom from that body image obsession and and what to wear and how, and how to dress myself, that I have a lot more confidence and comfort that when I want to get dressed... Um, I can pull something out and I might struggle to make a decision on yeah. what to wear. <laughs> yeah. But I don't feel like I have to go, do I look fat in this? Is this going to be okay? And in fact, just to add to that, uh, my husband and I can have much much nicer interactions um, because I used to get very angry getting dressed and if anyone came into my wardrobe or my kids came in while I was getting dressed, God help them, I would just scream, can't you see I'm getting dressed? You've got to get out of my way. I need to see what I'm looking at and da 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 and I was very because I was so self conscious and worried about what people would think of me if I looked fat in my clothes. Yeah. Okay. Um so how your relationship with your husband, has that changed? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has. Uh so a lot of our conversations were around, well, they would start with, I have to go on a diet. I'm going to start this diet. Um, I know what I'm going to do now. I'm going to talk to so-and-so and ask her how she lost weight. I'd get on the scales on a Monday morning and that would define if I was in a good mood or a bad mood and then I would take that mood out on my husband. Uh, I struggled to have loving conversations with him because I felt everything was about me and my weight and if I could just get thin then we could just talk about anything um I was always scared that we weren't getting pregnant because of my weight we had trouble falling pregnant with our second child and our twins and I always felt that was my fault and I felt um ashamed of that um if I asked my husband do I look fat in this when I was getting dressed he was very scared to answer me because he was very scared of my reaction Mm. and today um he gives me his honest opinion because I don't react in a angry, wrathful way. I just go, oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. Um, and that's the gifts of recovery completely. Um, yeah, and my husband was has always been in a healthy size body and I was always much larger than him. So I wanted him to eat with me. I didn't ever want him to lose weight because I didn't want to be – I didn't want him to be much skinnier than me. <laughs> And um, I was also obsessed with his weight. <clears throat> like, well, how yeah. much does he weigh, right? Yeah. So today um, I am slimmer than him and appropriately so. He's taller than me and he's a guy. And um, so our relationship around that stuff, you know, he can he feels more comfortable with me physically and intimately and I feel more comfortable in that relationship. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so what's it like for you with relationships, Alan? Um. So, you know, my wife and I, we, uh, and we have, I mean, look, we had our ups and downs before and we still have our ups and downs uh, in program. Um, you know, it has been hard for her to accept the fact that, I mean, I'm smaller than her now. Um, but then also it, it's uh, a lot of, um, it's been a lot for both of us um, with the fact that, I mean, I'm, I'm away a couple of times a week. Um, again, still, I don't live very close to meetings, so it does take me time to travel to and from. So there is a bit of time that I invest into 
into uh, into Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous that I invest in in time, and uh, I think that takes me away from family a little bit. But in saying that, um, my relationships with my kids are so much better. My relationship with my wife is so much better. Whilst it's not, you know, my wife and myself, we still um, we try and work through our things, but you know, there's still problems and issues, uh, like every married couple has, I think. Yep. Um, I, you know, I've got a better way of looking at things now because of the fact that, you know, before it was just eat food over it or argue over it. Now it's, you know, I can, I can talk to people and say, look, how do you deal with this sort of situation? And I can work through my problems and then come to my wife and say, okay, here's a recovered. Well, I didn't say to her, here's a recovered, but here's a, that's, I can thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've I've had a good think about it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's not always perfect, and I'm not. I definitely wouldn't say that. Yeah, you know, again, progress. Definitely, it's progress for me when when it comes to relationships. But yeah, my relationship with my kids is a much better. Um, you know, and then so relationships around family and everything are just so much better. I'm better. I'm more equipped to talk to people a little bit more openly now than I used to be, and I have a closer relationship with my kids. Both, you know, being able to play with them and then also being able to uh, talk to them as well. Mm. Okay, Sarah, what about your your kids? Mm. You had two children before you came in, mm-hmm. so what's your relationship like now with them? Mm. I have two girls, uh, one's 11 and one's 7. My relationship is a lot better. We have a much more open communication. We talk about feelings in our house. We don't yeah. try and brush them under the carpet and go, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, just keep going. <laughs> uh, which push is, through it. Yeah, yeah push, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's where I came from and... Um, there's a difference for me today. We talk about our feelings. We grow through them. I listen to them. I'm not yelling at them all the time. Um, out of pure impatience, intolerance, anxiety, I was always yelling. I was always very angry. I would get upset at my four-year-old daughter for things that a four-year-old does. She didn't want to get dressed one day and um, I started smacking her Um she was having a tantrum about something another time and I locked her outside the back door and it was night time. That would have been horrifying for a four- mm. or six-year-old child. Um, I just would scream about everything. And as I said, if they came into the wardrobe and I was getting dressed, I'd scream. If they interrupted me while I was having my time eating after school, I'd scream at them. I'd stick them in front of the television a lot because I couldn't be bothered dealing with after-school activities of homework and unpacking school bags and tidying up and that kind of thing. Um, I show up for my kids today. I I can be there for them as a parent and not worried about where I'm going to get my food. We'd go to the beach or the park and everything was about packing enough food and <laughs> I wanted to eat it all. And, yeah, our relationship, I, I wanted to bake with them all the time because at least then I could eat what we were making. Mm. So I feel it's a much more well-rounded, less angry and far more loving relationship right yeah okay um so i was just going to finish off with um Mm. what are the benefits of you know food addicts in recovery anonymous for you alan what's what are some of the things that you've you've found okay so the benefits have been been the fact that i can still deal with life and not actually pick food up over it so i can have my i can still have my stresses with work with family with relationships i can still have all those stresses that i get and the fears and the all the emotions but I now feel those fears and emotions and everything, and I've got somewhere to channel it into my into the tools that the program gives me and my sponsor and my fellows. And the benefit is that I no longer have to pick up food addictively to deal with those problems. I can actually deal with those problems, um, you know, actually head on and uh, 
And I'm a more honest person. You know, I was yeah. I was stealing, you know, to get food and everything beforehand. Now, you know, I'm a much more honest person. Where, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll front up and I'll do it. I'm not going to be a person that dances around or, you know, lies and cheats and everything like that. So the benefit for me has been more of a personal one. The fact that I've been able to, uh, yeah, definitely uh, be a person of you know yep. a lot more uh, honesty. Yep. And the weight loss is a bonus. The weight loss is definitely a bonus. Yes, definitely. (laughs) So how about you, Sarah? What are the things that you've benefited from Mm. in, in, in the program? Definitely physical recovery is a huge benefit to me. Uh, feeling comfortable in my own body, being able to put on a pair of bathers and go in the pool and not be, it's not not to say that I'm not self-conscious of certain areas of my body, but I, I know that I'm just, putting on a pair of bathers and going in the pool. Um, I'm physically able to run after my toddlers. I'm physically able to... I can be in the heat. I get hot like any other normal person, but I'm not sweating in all areas of my body. I I have, yes, physically got that sort of recovery. I mentally and emotionally have tools that help me regulate my emotions today so that I don't go and use food addictively. I don't scream at everybody all the time. I'm not... I I have some awareness of my feelings and what's going on for me. I'm not eating over my feelings today. I'm far more organised in my life. I have time management. I have discipline. They're they're absolute gifts of recovery because I didn't have that before. I really struggled to be at places on time. I really struggled to organise family life. Um, I'd create all these convoluted systems so that we could organize and manage things at home things are a lot more simple today yeah. sounds good yeah yeah okay um well if you think that uh, your life uh is difficult because of your relationship with food and eating then maybe food addicts in recovery anonymous can help you uh you can call them on zero three eight five nine four two two eight two or you can go online at foodaddicts.org that's about all we've got time for today. Um, so I'd like to thank Alan and Sarah for coming in. Thank you, thank you Bill. Thank you, Bill. Um, and for sharing their Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous experience with us. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us next week when we'll be talking about living with the family disease of alcoholism and we'll be joined by some members of Alan on Family Groups. Mm. Thanks for listening to Living Free program today, but stay tuned for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Today's show includes a report on Lydia Thorpe's first speech in Victorian Parliament, and so stay tuned to listen to that.